Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to an awesome, super fun episode of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and I'm joined by... Jamie Jossa from Hatebreed. Yeah, buddy. I, this has been a long time coming. Long time, yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it's funny because, um, and I've talked about this on a lot of the shows, and what I've done is, like, I'm a hardcore kid. Like, I grew up in the scene. I remember started going to shows when I was, like, 13 or 14. I went to... Uh, I've been going to shows for so long. I remember I saw you guys probably only like once or twice back then. The P-Wack or something. Yeah. Oh, man. I love you even more. The P-Wack was my jam. The Roxy. Do you remember that place? Used to play all the metal shows. Yeah. Um, But it's like I'm always fascinated by folks who come from our similar backgrounds, like in the scene, you know, a lot of DIY, the heavy music, the community aspect of it. And then where they go from there and like the cool success that they have, the different ventures they're into. Like one of my closest friends who was a booker at uh, PWAC is now like head of marketing for Image Comics. And there's like no way who uh, Ron Richards. OK. Um, and it's like seeing like cool people that just have that same background doing fun stuff makes me so happy. Yeah, me too. I, would, I just did a actually a cool podcast you should check out, which is um uh, Damien from the Van F'd Up. I've been trying to schedule with Damien for about three months now. Yeah. He, <laughs> you're perfect for his show and vice versa. He's a big wrestling fan. We, we, so. I've had him here before. Oh, yeah. We were trying to figure out, like, can I get away with putting... And I think if we go, if we F'd call it F'd Up, up uh, we're, I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was like, oh, man, I got to be clean on this podcast. But I like that. <laughs> it's good because I have to... You know, my, my sister has three kids, and I'm always... You know, with them, watching them, helping them, going, bringing them to their games. You know, when I'm off the road, it's so hard to make free time. And uh, but I have to get out of you know heavy metal hardcore guy mode and get into like uncle mode. Plus, I have a you know teenage daughter as well. So, do all the kids know the musical side? Like, have they have they listened? They do. It's kind of weird. Like they'll you know they'll. They'll say, ah, it's I like it, but it's very uh, crazy. <laughs> you know, like what you do is crazy. <laughs> but I, but when I put my put out my Jost album, I kind of showed that I could actually like hold a couple notes. And I had a song with Zach Wilde that actually went on the radio. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and so there's some singier, like lighter. I I don't want to say melodic, but still heavy. But yeah, there's some more melodic parts where they I noticed the younger kids get into that more because sure. it's just a little more palatable yeah i could see that and i think one of the things that was always great about hatebreed there's a lot of there's a lot of anger but there's also a lot of positivity totally. you know like perseverance when I, that comes on i want to flip a table i want to <laughs> run 10 miles i'm like oh i feel so good <laughs> it's, it's pretty rad that's good to hear yeah that record's actually like held up over time we did a 10-year anniversary tour for it and the whole tour was awesome. We had a lot of great shows, a lot of sold-out shows. And then, you know, now in this last tour that we did with uh, Zach Wilde and Black Label Society, we're playing a lot of bigger rooms, and we're used to, like, you know, headlining in our own. And people react to those songs. It's almost like now that whole OzFest um, era of metal fans, yeah. that record's, like, you know, up there in their in their uh, collection. So it feels good. Yeah. How often do you are you touring? Well, I try to do less, but... Then work comes up, and it's yeah. like you, you know, when you're in the music industry, you got to understand that you, you got to take work when you can get it. And we've never had, we've always had our choice. We've never had to like, you know, tour to survive. We've always been able to live off, you know, other things that we do with the band or with music. Right. Um, but 
you itch to get back on the road once you're home. Mm. And then if it's a good payday, you're also like, <laughs> oh, man, we should go. You know, like we just got on this Slipknot Arena tour. We're like, we need to do. That's got to be huge. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And we're like, we need to do a new record. But <laughs> Slipknot wants to take us out and play Arena. So coming off the Zach Wild tour, now doing the Slipknot tour, it's like, you know, we we have to take that opportunity. We can't just be like, oh, let's sit at home and, you know, be comfy and do a record when we want to do it. Yeah. Where's the, the craziest place you guys have played? Probably. Show or, like, in, you know, just wherever? Probably Indonesia. Yeah? Yeah, like, it's huge. Heavy music is huge there. The president is into heavy music. He's been, like... That's know, amazing. Yeah, he's actually uh, been seen wearing, like, Lamb of God and Napalm Death. And that is probably the coolest thing I've ever heard about a politician. You should look it up because he's, you know... He, He's not only is he he really cool, but he seems like he, for a politician, he's pretty down to earth mm-hmm. and and you know in touch with what's going on and doesn't have a lot of like too many people around him kind of influencing him. I mean that's what I got from it when I was there. It looks really cool. But Napalm Death's uh, singer Barney, he just wrote like this whole letter about getting some uh, prisoners or uh, you know I guess inmates a stay of execution mm-hmm. there because they still have you know the death penalty there or whatever okay. and you know. Uh, it made like national news here, USA Today, CNN, everything, and so, you know, I don't think that would make news anywhere else. Like, oh, heavy metal singer is trying to talk to the president, yeah. you know. But in Indonesia, because they know he's a fan, uh, they think that he might actually, this might actually make an impact. So kudos to Barney for, you know, trying to bring some compassion to their system. That's pretty amazing. Um, so. Tell us, uh, tell the Marvel fans who maybe aren't as familiar with the music, what you do, some of your history, some of your background. Sure, yeah. I mean, Hatebreed's been around 20 years now. It's, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it blows my mind yeah, as well. I forget that I'm like 34, yeah. so I've been listening to, you know, all this stuff for that long. Yeah, and, and, you know, some people say that it's an institution at this point, which I think is a really nice compliment, and, and I like to think of it as that, just because we we do have these spots all over the world where we can go, where it's... You know, like New York City, for instance, where we are right now, you know, we could probably go play Irving Plaza on a couple of days' notice and sell it out. Oh, yeah. Or go to, you know, one of these, like we did that, um, the Black and Blue Bowl in, in Brooklyn last year. The show was amazing, you know, and there's like thousands of people there, all for hardcore and punk music. Yeah. You know, Discharge played the next night with Agnostic Front. I, I got to see Agnostic Front play the whole uh, Cause for Alarm record <sighs> in the crowd. Nobody, like... You know, giving me a hard time yeah, or yeah. trying to do selfies. A couple selfies. Like yeah, like, All right. right. I, it was it was really nice. Yeah. You know, a couple selfies here and there, but nobody like <laughs> nobody made it like how it is if I normally go to a show, which is, you know, sometimes people are crazy with the selfies. But um, you know, we've been doing all these different types of tours, which I think is what bands need to do more. Like. You know, no risk, no reward. You know, you have to go out and try to gain a new audience because for a lot of metal bands, we we don't have that many mediums. That's why it's so cool that you would even have me on the podcast because it's, to me, it's like we need, sure, we have Sirius Satellite Radio and we have, you know, Full Metal Jackie has a syndicated metal show, but we have, you know, a handful of magazines. True. No more um, national television exposure, really. And YouTube is... You know, it's not like it's an equal playing field. You have to have a label who's going to feature your video or pay to get the, you know, featured on the front page or whatever, right. which rarely happens. So it's nice, to, you know, now it's kind of gotten back to the roots where it's like you have to really go out and work. You have to do different types of mm-hmm. tours, go on podcasts, um, you know, try to try to get your songs and, and your music and your message out to different avenues so that maybe a young kid 
we'll pick up a seven inch or a CD or whatever, like we did. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot. Kids still buy seven inches. They they do. They do. Vinyl's coming back, but it's not like it was where I had Rhymes Records in New Haven or Cutlers or um, even back then we had like Sam Goody. Like I remember, I got like a fishbone tape at Sam Goody for like two bucks. My joint was Slip Disc. Was it Slip Disc? Legendary. So you know. It's not like there's a lot of those places anymore. So how do kids find out about music? Yeah. It's 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 really through an app or YouTube mm-hmm. or you know word of mouth. So it's just making everybody become more creative. And I think like what you guys do with comics and and being so involved with the digital stuff is the future. And I think music could learn a lot from you. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, we're learning all the time too. It's just kind of crazy because you know we we have this thing Marvel Unlimited, and it's like the Netflix for comics for us. And we're kind like I'm I'm listening to the fans. Hey, you know we want to see this, we want that. Like request, and then doing this show has been great because we can recommend things. And every week we see here, I've never read that before. That was super cool. And then they'll pass it on to someone else. So yeah, yeah. Like, finding ways to to get in front of people is. So crucial. We need that so badly right now for music, but not in a way like a Pandora or a Spotify. And nothing against them, but I think for something that's more niche, like hardcore and punk and metal, it's almost like it would be great if we could have this destination thing where it's like, all right, this record was not a commercial success, but you should still hear it because it holds true to you know to what's going on now yeah. or it's or it's you know timeless and how do you find those obscure records that aren't that weren't ever you know yeah, yeah. available on iTunes or Spotify and you know so I've been I talked about that on Damien uh, from from F Dub's podcast as well I'm like so I'm like pitching people like put me in touch with people because I I feel like networking is is kind of leads to a lot of opportunities yeah. and we need something like that for metal punk and hardcore which is like where you could stream it. I don't know if it's a membership service. I don't know, like, if we could get all the labels involved, but I think yeah. how cool would it be if you had, like, all your old demos and seven inches, like, in one area where you didn't have to transfer them to CD or yeah, yeah. digital? Yeah, no, I, the, the only thing that comes to mind, aside from Sirius, is uh, eMusic. Because, I, you know, I subscribe to eMusic, and I'm, but I, like, I read, I read some of that stuff, and I'm like, eh, I've got no connection here. Yeah. Like, then it's just a giant dump of music that I have to sort through to figure out if there's something in there that I don't that I need to right and how out. and how do you, do you go yeah like you know if you were into like a lot of the Revelation bands and the youth crew like well what about this obscure youth crew band that you're like oh I had that seven inch but it's you know I scratched it or I don't I you know I lost it when I moved where do I get it they, these individual labels don't have their services yet like that yeah. like you know. Like they should, but I'm I'm hoping that we can find. If anybody out there is listening, because I know there's a lot of tech techie people that are smart, you know, hit me up at Jamie Joss on Twitter. Isn't Discord doing something? Like I heard doing with a, like putting all the the Fugazi shows up and stuff like that. I think that to me is that's huge. That's great, yeah. but I don't. I think they, there's another couple steps that can be taken. Right. And if I went to Discord and said, hey, I got all these old demos and seven inches, can we put them on your platform? And they'd be like, no, get <laughs> out of here. You know, because that's they're, they were always like that, you know, very like more kind of, um, you know, they, were, they wanted to shy away from anything that was brutal or too moshy or too, you know, crazy, which yeah. I understand. I yeah, but, uh, you know, there's a, there's a place for everything, everybody, all the different, there were so many labels. I mean, yeah, it's great. There's always going to be a place to find cool stuff. Um, yeah, especially Headbanger's, now, you know. Yeah. Headbangers Ball, talk about that. How yeah. did you get that gig? 
You know, it's it's funny. I actually got that gig because there, I guess they had interviewed a bunch of other people, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, stuff wasn't panning out, and so they, you know, my my name was always in the hat, but I never got the chance to like take an interview. Mm-hmm. After the interview. I was real nervous. I, I don't think the interview went that great. And yeah. I thought, you know what? To follow up, I'm going to do an audition tape. And I called, like, Al Jorgensen from Ministry. He, they were playing up at the Palladium, but I couldn't get through to him. I got I talked to his tour manager, and he's like, yeah, he'll probably do it. But, like, what is it? And I'm like, really? It's just to help me out, you know? And I don't really know him. So I was, like, just trying to get someone in, in metal to, yeah, yeah. you know, to, to help me out and just kind of hone my interviewing skills. Well... Vanilla Ice was in town, and we had just done some shows with him. I don't know if you remember when he kind of went yeah, rock like or metal. Cornish type. Yeah. yeah. He had uh, Ross Robinson produce yep, one of his yep. records. And he remembered us. He remembered me from when we did the shows together. He was like, yeah, come on by. And so I interviewed him at WCCC. Who I got I to shout them out. They're in Hartford, Connecticut. They are back now, irockradio.com, if anybody wants to see it. Because we lost the station. They're, they're, you know, terrestrial radio is a mess. That breaks, like, it, you see that stuff and it breaks your heart. It changes it. the whole dynamic of the scene, too, because yeah. you used to be able to have your local show on a yeah. Sunday night. and But anyways, hmm. Vanilla yeah, Ice. FMU and everything yeah. you know, in New York. And, like, I would tape it. I would put, you know, put a tape in the tape deck and press, you know, record and listen to whatever they had and then, you know. Search out what you heard that you liked. Yeah, I did the same thing. That's how, like, WNHU in in New Haven, that's how I found out about Judge, how I found out about White Zombie, how I found out about Primus, you know, even Nirvana. You know, like, they they were promoting a Nirvana show, like, saying, oh, Nirvana's coming with the Melvins. And I'm like, really? And this is, like, you know, probably 91, 90. And, you know, we we don't have that anymore. (laughs) Now it's it's so fragmented. But so Vanilla Ice did the interview with me, and I sent that in, and they – Called me in for I think one more screen test and they were like, "All right, you're the host of Headbangers Ball." And I'm like, "What?" And your first guest is going to be Ricky Rackman. And I'm like, you know, who I watch like every Saturday <laughs> yeah. night, and so uh, it was really cool. We did over 100 episodes, and but once YouTube came out, you know, I I could see the writing on the wall. Yeah. Why are you going to sit through a show when you can just go watch these videos a la carte? You, you you know, you don't have to sit through the ads and. Yeah, what backing up a little bit. How much of that, like like this type of, you know, chat show type stuff, were you doing before that? Anything or just the stuff that you do on a press tour? You yeah, know, okay. like the. But see, I hadn't done a lot of that because with our first album, it kind of blew up like three years into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it blew up in the regional sort of northeast yeah. hardcore scene the first year or two, but didn't go like really national. Didn't re-enter the charts until we were like touring on it for like three or four years. So like. No magazines wanted to do interviews with us. Like, we were too metal for the hardcore zines and too hardcore for the metal magazines. Tough place to be in. Yeah. So, like, we didn't even get in Metal Maniacs, I think, until the record was, like, I think they reviewed the record, like, after it had sold, like, 200,000 copies or something. Just because they had to at that point. Because you couldn't deny us anymore. You know, we weren't, like, the, the, you know, the makeup-wearing, you know, black metal underground type of band. So, they were, like... No, why are we going to cover this? Who's this guy, you know, in a hat, like yelling at me? But then we would go on tour with Entombed and Slayer and all these bands, and we would destroy it and sell thousands of T-shirts. And then they, you know, finally all the magazines had to come around. I spent a whole day listening to Entombed like a week or two ago, and the I was best. like, Oh my god, Left Hand Path and Clandestine and Wolverine oh, Blues. I mean, great. It, like, fascinating thing about that record is it's so different from their earlier stuff, and it's accessible. But it's so heavy and intense at the same time. Yeah. I waited online to get that record. Yeah? Yeah, the day it came out. I remember the commercials for it on MTV. Oh, yeah. And, like, 
That was everywhere. When when I waited through a whole episode of Headbangers where it was like they're playing like Halloween and and power metal stuff, and I'm and no offense to that stuff, some of it's good, but when that Hollow Man video came on, I was like, "What? Oh my god! I need it. who's on your death metal um, Mount Rushmore if you had to pick it." Um, when I was a kid, I loved Deicide. Yeah, like, the, we opened for them at the Roxy. That, yeah, the chunky, <laughs> like there's a the sound, the guitar sound that they got was so like I can hear it in my head even now, and I haven't listened to them in years, but like it's really intense. Uh, man, who else? Maybe Carcass. I'm, you know, like okay. I, don't, I don't listen. So to far, this. you're very good on the death metal. Uh, <laughs> those two aren't on my death metal Mount Rushmore, but if we had to do like a runner-up, yeah. th- they would maybe be like sure. five and six uh, or six and seven. I, have, I don't. To be honest, I don't listen to as much death metal now as I used to. You know, but yeah, like I remember, I could still go back and listen to, to some of them. And just be like, yeah, 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 yeah. See, mine would probably be Bolt Thrower, Entombed, Napalm Death, and then either. I think I I just did this on my podcast too, and now I'm forgetting. But I think I uh, probably Carcass, yeah. or maybe you know what, Morbid Angel. I don't know. There's too many. Morbid, I was they were in my head as I was saying that. Like they're they're definitely up there. Entombed for sure. Like without a doubt, it's just because that's the band that I like. When I got a new phone, I was like, okay, I need them on there. I need them on there. And like Entombed was one of those bands yeah. that I had to put on. They were one of the first bands that really gave us a shot. Like and and that was tour was a mess. I yeah. mean, we were like. We we fired one drummer, then another drummer quit. We had like dudes trying out like mid tour, with the van was breaking down. But we learned a lot, and they were cool. Like they were in a bus, and we were in a van, and we were seeing, we were like, man, it, it gave us like kind of like a a goal to shoot for. Yeah, like yeah. if we could be pro and like actually like arrange like real songs and <laughs> and like you know show up on time and yeah. sound check and you know be nice to people and be nice to the promoters and yeah. be pro, then we can do it. And they're uh, we still keep in touch with those guys. We That's just great. played in Germany with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you interviewed Vanilla Ice. You got the gig. What was that like? I mean, because you, it was you grew up on Headbangers Ball. And, and did you watch 100? No, uh, 120 Minutes was concurrent. But what was uh, Super Supernova? What was the show? At, do you remember the show after Headbangers was originally oh. canceled? And it was in, like, the mid-late 90s. Yeah. I can't remember the, the host's name. but like, It wasn't Pinfield. No, it was before Pinfield. She did uh, an episode with Danzig at St. Mark's Comics. She did, like, a Faith No More episode, like, with the, the bands and, like, locations. Yes. And, like, that was super cool. What show. was the name of that? It was, oh, that's going to... It was, gonna, it was whoever, like Supernova or Someone something. Twitter us that yeah. so we know. <laughs> but... And didn't Danzig give her a hard time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of... Yeah. He was a little standoffish. A little bit. I I did get into some of that stuff like in the '90s, like some of the more I guess you could say alternative. Yeah. The '90s was hard for metal, but then I gravitated more towards hardcore and punk because yeah. it was great. I mean, the mid '90s scene, and it's like it was so crucial. Like, there's so many bands that you can look at from like '90. Sure, the '80s and everything that you know is revered. Like, there's yeah. someone's like, "Oh, did you ever go to CBs?" I was like, "I went to CBs later. I was t- I was literally too young." To have gotten into the city on my own to go during like the original yeah. Sunday matinee, you know. I went to a couple. Even my old band, we played uh, the Space at Chase like a couple nights after Gigi Allen, one of his last shows. And I was, you know, they were like laughing at me, like you're gonna go on that stage with bare feet. Like Gigi Allen was just on there, <laughs> but I wanted to be like Rollins, like and wear, and, you know, have like bare feet on the show. And I was probably like 14 at the time. 
because um, I was I did shows like when I was thirteen and fourteen in my in my old bands, but I played one of the last shows at CVs. Played a, we always played CVs. We always had a great time at CVs. Um, actually, you know, through seeing sick of it all is why I looked into the Punisher. You know, because Pete was a big Punisher fan, would wear the shirts, had the tattoo. I think that was probably ninety two when Just Look Around came out, and yeah. that that was a really like that record really spoke to me. Like I liked. Um, blood sweat no tears but that time when everything was kind of a little bit more metal um biohazard urban discipline and you know those agnostic front one voice those records really spoke to me because i lived in the inner city and you know i guess the punisher spoke to me because i was into all the you know the action movies and those types of stories the rambos and the you know and that was kind of in line with the vengeance and the you know the the tortured character and the punisher was a big deal for for a lot like even on urban discipline they have a clip yeah from, from the dolph the, lundgren the dolph movie and I, like and it's you know if you just have that clip you're like that movie sounds amazing yeah because <laughs> he sounds so awesome as frank castle in that little bit the rest of the movie not doesn't not really so. hold up but still yeah. yeah did so you like warzone i love love warzone. it oh my god i could watch that movie every day just to see Punisher like punch a dude's face in, yeah. explode. I don't. I mean, like I I understand why people aren't into it. Okay. But that movie. What's your theory? Because I have a theory that I wanted to run by I, you. Because I, I think people aren't ready to to for that kind of um, violence and and like over the top action from what they perceive as should be a serious like quote unquote serious comic book movie. I think they're it just wasn't like clicking. Is it a little cheesy at times? Sure, maybe, but he is exactly what I want out of the Punisher yes. in that movie. He's, yeah, he's it. Like I'm, I'm in. I was. It, he was believable, like yeah. really believable, more so than Thomas Jane. That's what I say. A lot of people really love Thomas, and nothing against him, but I just, he never clicked for me. It yeah. wasn't like Punisher is. He's just a. He's a wall. Yeah. And you, you can't. He's in like impenetrable. One of my like proudest moments was when i got the plaque for the first punisher soundtrack Mm -hmm. and and i and i i want to pick your brain on on soundtrack stuff as well as more punisher stuff but like when i got that and i knew that they were working on the um the punisher war zone i was like we have to be on the next soundtrack too you know because i'm like please we got to make it happen but we didn't have a new like album coming out Mm -hmm. so we had to put a cover song on it and then um what'd you cover uh sepultura yeah, refuse resist. Uh, which, since it was unreleased at that time, they were like, sure. "Okay, you could be on the soundtrack." But we were trying so hard, and uh, they had like Rob Zombie, and mm-hmm. we—I knew that he was going to be like the lead in single. But we were like, "We'll we'll record a new song if we could be the single." But it's hard, you know how it is in the music industry. It's like they need the big, the bigger name or yep. the more commercial, you know, single to lead it in. But this is—I think that movie and that soundtrack came at a time. It was just a bad time, yeah. like where soundtracks were going down. Um, which hopefully now, like with your success with the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, maybe they could make a comeback. Because how great were like Freddy vs. Tra- Jason, all these like Triple X, of which yeah. I have a plaque for that, for that movie with Vin Diesel. Um, but uh, but back going back to the Punisher. Sorry, I went off on a tangent that, there. No, that's cool. Um, going back to the Punisher, you know, I think all the behind the scenes stuff leading up to the release of the film hurt the film and hurt the buzz of the film. Yeah. You know, with 
directors backing out and actors backing out and you know where where are they going to go with the story is it going to be jigsaw is it going to be you know whoever and i just think that that was one of the instances like especially at that time where mm -hmm. the internet was really booming yeah and and people were you know getting the swing of the internet where it's like it almost like i felt like it killed the buzz yeah you should do you listen to how did this get made no you should how did this get made one i would plug this podcast all the time because it's just hilarious. It's um, Jason Manzukas, who's a big Marvel fan. He's on, you know, a bunch of shows. He's good friends with with a Marvel guy who's been employee here for twenty years. Um, uh, June Diane Raphael and uh, Paul Shear, and they every week they have a guest and they take a or month, whatever, however often it comes out, they take a movie, and they just how did this get made? And sometimes it's like this is a piece of garbage. It's don't watch it. Sometimes it's like Punisher Warzone, and they're like, "This is the greatest." And like they, everything that they say, you're like, "Yes, you're yeah. right," you know. And they, they actually have the director on the on the that episode. It's a woman, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's great. I you know I, I, I gotta hear that. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna like download that on the way home and listen should, to dude. it. Dude, it's great. It's it was one of those things. Like I had, I loved the movie, and it rekindled it again. Did it um, after that? And now I've watched it like three times since then. I tell people yeah. they're like, oh no way! I didn't. It didn't even go in theaters. I'm like, no, it did. It just didn't. You know, like yeah. I'm like, you have to revisit it. People have to to go back and watch that. I always tell people. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we could have got like a song in the credits or something, but it's 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 literally a war zone out there if you're in, in a metal band trying to get, you know, yeah. these opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I'm always happy to connect you with uh the folks at we have Hollywood Records, who's a Disney yeah. company, but like like you know, what we were talking about before, the dude who is like my main point of contact, he's high up there. Uh Jason he, Jordan. Not Jason. There's another dude. Um, anyway, or, or maybe he's at Disney Music, and whatever it is, he's a former hardcore kid. Yeah. And you know, like you know, we would talk like more emo type stuff, like talk piebald or something like right. that. Right. I booked we their first tour. There you go. <laughs> so it's, but it's it's rad, and like he gets it. Like it might there might be something there because they help put together. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. See, I got to get out there and do more networking and and just do it myself. You know, that's the thing. It's like. I think over the last five years, I've been, you know, just too busy and too spread thin. So I can't, like, and trying to balance family life, it's like, you know, look how long it took me to get here. And people, like, I remember my guitar player, Charlie, who I got a shout-out. He's a huge Marvel freak. He's like, are you crazy? And I'm like, I know. I got to, like, go and get a tour and, and see you. And he's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm just like, it, it, it's so crazy when you're an uncle and a grandson and a parent. And yeah. I know everybody always says this when they come <laughs> on the podcast. Like, I, the, like Corey Graves, I was listening to that episode. He's like, you know, I got three kids. What do you want? But it, it's true. Like, life is so crazy that you know I'm, i but i made it and i'm happy to be here man it's blowing my mind like looking around seeing yeah, all this you're stuff. in the worst part of the, <laughs> of the office as well so we'll, when we're done with the the shows we'll uh, i'll give you the tour and someone will show you how comics are made because it's for a creative person like you like i watch everybody who sees the process and like just the wheels start turning and it's like oh this is cool i relate to this part and all those things it's pretty yeah random. What's your, like, uh, best character that you could draw and pull off good? Oh, I can't draw anything. Nothing? Zero. Bart Simpson is the only one I can do. I can't. I, <laughs> I would mess up his hair. And the, the hair is just spikes. Yeah. And that's I, the only one. Yeah. Like, when that signings, like, when kids, like, fans <laughs> ask me to draw them, so I'm like, can you draw me a Hapri logo or write, like, live for this? I always just draw, like, a really 
Bart Simpson, that's it. <laughs> um, so how many, talk a bit about the, the podcast, the, your, your podcast. Yeah, my podcast is available now on iTunes, or you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash Jamie Josta. You like SoundCloud? We're, we've been trying to figure out if we can do something with them. You should, because I feel like with the, you know, if you get a monetized account, I know you guys don't really plug sponsors or anything. You don't need to, right? So you can... Um, if you'd like to sponsor This Week in Marvel, please yeah. <laughs> reach out to Agent M on Twitter. There you go. I mean, I, I have a great sponsor right now, Quello.com, who you should really check out. Sign up for a free trial because it's all live shows. Mm. And uh, they've been so good to me. And it helps because then I could travel and, you know, get a Rob Halford or get a Rob Zombie or get Mick Foley. I just had Mick Foley on the show. He, he was great. And I had Chris Jericho. I've been meaning to get Jericho on in the show for You have to. He, he's the greatest. And his podcast rules. It's like, when am I... I love I, it. I'm like, when am I going to have time? I'm like, I'll try to, like, you know... I, I'm like, oh, I gotta go get that Darth Vader one. I want to read that, <laughs> and you know. But then I'm like, but I have to listen to this Chris Jericho podcast, and I gotta listen to this, you know, uh, whatever uh, Steve Austin. But it's I, for sure. Like, if if you're out there and you're a podcast fan, and you want to check out my podcast, just go to JamieJosta.com or or go to SoundCloud. It's mostly uh, metal guys. I got some wrestlers. I had an MMA guy on there once, I, um, but mostly it's metal and hardcore people so far. But I'm looking to do more. I've had some comedians on. I just had Jim Norton. Are you a, a Stern guy or an Opian? Uh... Uh, definitely Stern over Opian Anthony, just because I remember, like, I remember listening to Stern as a kid. And yeah. I never got the Opian Anthony thing. It just I do. I do reason. both. Well, yeah. Jim is on yeah. Opian Anthony, and well, now that Anthony's gone, it's Opian Jim, basically. Oh, okay. And so that was a cool episode. That's my most recent episode. Mm. If people want to check that out, I've been getting a lot of feedback from that episode. Actually, and people are like get you know get more comedians on. Have you? Do you guys ever? Yeah, have comedians you know on? It, the 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 great thing about our you know my team here is like Blake and Ben and myself. Like we don't any one of us can take can tackle anything. So like Blake does most of the booking and he'll pull in guests all the time and like oh like he was talking about earlier we have uh one of the twins from blackish you know we had him in the office and he did a show with him because i couldn't do it yeah and you know we'll have you know Corey come in because i'm friends with him and he just happened to be in town so then we'll do something with him it's like cool the utility of it all makes it is great i like that about your podcast like and, and like i was saying earlier before we started recording I, I listened to the i think blake did the interview with the the singer from yellow card yeah. so it switches it up i like with mine i'll do like a little read for the sponsors in the beginning or i'll play a song in the beginning or the, at the end depending and then i just try to you know have the most sort of natural behind-the-scenes conversation that I can yeah. have as much as the artist wants to tell me. Yeah. A lot of times with ideas, and I'm sure you deal with this a lot, like you can't necessarily say the idea because you don't want someone to steal it or run with it or misconstrue. Sure. But I try to talk more ideas than um, people and events. But a lot of times the majority of it is people and events yeah, and I, films and whatever. For sure. You know, it's uh, I'm interest it's interesting to me because i like i'll i've seen some folks do shows and whatnot and they they come with a list of questions and or they'll you know like when i'm on a set visit or something you know like you'll see someone has a bunch of questions which is great you're prepared but for i've i never felt comfortable going okay so this question is blah 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 blah. it's like i'd rather have a conversation with someone see where it goes and and 
you know, whatever we get to, we get to. Yeah. And always in my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe we should talk about this, and I'll forget it. Yes. I will, oh, I will forget everything. See, bullet points. That's why I do bullet points. That's like, you'll smart. See, well, you got a computer. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, the fans see, can't see that right yeah. now. <laughs> you'll see. I, I'll do like a little list of bullet points. Like when I had um, Mick Foley on, I was like, there was so much I wanted to ask him yeah. about. But, you know, he's promoting the Santa movie, which yep. came out and was on Netflix. And so I get done with the interview and I'm like looking at the bullet points that I didn't get time to because he was like literally getting ready to go on stage. Um, the crowd was already in there and everything. And, and so it was so nice for him to even give me like a full hour of time uh, in the full Santa regalia and everything, like eating his dinner, like he's like made time for me. Yeah. And uh, but I'm like, oh, I forgot this. I forgot this. I forgot, <laughs> you know, and it's just but then you're like, I got to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no shame in that. Yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, yeah. So Punisher, you dig Punisher. What other yeah. Marvel characters? When I was a kid, like, you know, late 80s, early 90s, just the usual, I think, you know, mainly Thor, which I got to shout out um, Randy from Lamb of God. He, get, he, he got me like one of the original Thor um, 7-Eleven glasses, uh, I think, in Portland, Oregon. So I have that. I drink my like, you know, seltzer water <laughs> out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, in the 90s, really, it was just Punisher. And even up until recently, yeah, just Punisher. Yeah. Are you reading anything currently? You, you mentioned the I Star went, Wars stuff. Yeah, I want to read that, and I went back, and I got some of the Frankencastle. Ah, yeah, Frankencastle's great. You should have um, Rick Remender on the show. On I, your show. I need to. I mean, because, like, Rick worked at label. Like, he's worked in oh, music. Yeah. He's written for video. Like, and he's, he's you know, he's a hardcore kid. Yeah. Art, and so it's, and he's great. I followed him on Twitter, and he followed me back, and I had, like, a little bit of a fanboy freak out for a minute. Yeah. And I wonder if he would ever, like, read any of our lyrics and know kind of which, like, Punisher stuff that he wrote inspired some of it. Because some of it, it's not, like, direct lifts, but definitely, um, you know, inspired. He'd be super flattered. He's, he's great. He's, uh, if you need me to, I'll connect you guys. Great. Yeah, no, I was going to – there's so many – See, I don't know how much I want to say on like the podcast yeah, in public because yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to like be like a fanboy freakout. I don't want to have like the fanboy freakout too because I saw um, Scott Derrickson follow me back too, uh-huh. and I was like, I had just finished watching the um, the animated Doctor Strange, uh-huh. and I'm like, dude, please, can you come on my podcast? And he's like, I am under a gag order. And I get it, you yeah. know, but it'll I was, be plenty of time. I mean, of course, I'm like, I got to get in the, you know, hey, if there's any scene that could involve like <laughs> a little bit of a metal song playing on a cab radio or something, like, you know, think of me. But, uh, but even that was cool. Like anytime, um, anytime, I think that comics and metal worlds can collide. It's or hardcore punk comics, metal, whatever. It's cool. It's great. Yeah, yeah. We have there's a couple of guys over in um, they work on the trades and stuff, and like I'll come by. And I'll just be like, all right, what are you guys listening to right now? Like, you know, they'll send, we share recommendations and stuff. And like, you know, one of them used to do uh, a zine, a local zine. Really? All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, From Staten Island. Of course, I'm blanking on his zine's name. But I was like, I have a copy of that at my mom's house from when I was, you know, 15 or 16. You got to start somewhere. and, and and, And having that, like, I don't know where you get it from. I guess you get it from just maybe you know, wanting to do something more. I guess everybody has that kind of, like, teenage, um, you know, stage you go through where you go, what am I going to do? Well, what am I passionate about? Well, I like to write. I can draw. I can play a guitar. I can do this. I can do that. And, you know, it's nice that not everybody who comes from the punk and hardcore scene ends up on, like, you know, Skid Row or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of that, too, yeah. which is sad. I mean, that's, you know, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not some crazy, like, straight-edge, you know, 
type of person where I'm out there saying I'm going to label myself as this, but it's nice. I like, you know, to see people like yourself that are professional, that have a good job, that are, you know, you're, you're entertaining people, but you're also like, you know, you're out there promoting people's art and their work and their writing. I mean, that's got to be just so much fun to see that. Yeah, man, it, it's I'm having a blast. Yeah. It's pretty great. People I, must say like, I you just must get inundated with how do I how can I be your intern? How can I how can I get into the business? I mean, do you ever get tired of it? Uh, no, because I think everyone, every like you're saying, everyone has it needs to start somewhere. Everyone needs to figure out how do they do it. You know, someone actually, I had a great question that came into my Tumblr the other day that was like, "Hey, I, I'm kind of an introvert. I'm shy." How do I network? How do I do these things? And I, I actually said, okay, so here's what I did. You know, when I was 15, 14, I decided I liked music and I liked this. And, you know, I went on to, we had AOL at that time. So when I went on, you know, uh, alt.music.hardcore and I went on AOL chat rooms, the hardcore chat room, and I started talking to people and I was like, oh, these people are into the same things. And, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to ever feel like I'm putting someone out because they I've been in that position. Yeah. I've been I want to help my mom called me this morning. She's like, there's this woman at work and her son is having a hard time finding a job. Is there any chance you could have coffee with him? I was like, yeah, give him my email. It's I'll set it up. Because why not? Yeah. Like, everybody needs help somewhere. Yeah. And if you don't help someone, then you're a dick. And it comes back to you tenfold. It really does. Yeah. Like that's one thing my father used to always tell me as a kid. Like you do something good for somebody and it will come back to you tenfold. And it's not to say just do it out of your right. own selfish want. Yeah. It's just that there is, even when you least expect it to come back to you, there it, it will. I mean, I see that a lot with bands that come to me for advice. And I do address a lot of advice on my podcast. If anybody's listening to this and you are an aspiring musician, you know, I say don't put too much pressure on you and also just surround yourself with people that you like and like-minded people that you know can at least give you a different take on things yeah. or maybe expand your senses or expand your mind like there's a lot of times people are like I can't do this I can't do that well you're you got to lose the negative thinking and yeah. you know try to grow as an artist or a musician or whatever it is you're passionate about and not be afraid of the growth i'm sure you probably have to deal with that a lot yeah i mean yeah it, it's it's tough for a lot of people cuz they just they don't they can't get past certain things they have their own social foibles and so it's trying to if you can help someone get past certain things it's it's great yeah and like my mom and it's something that's always ingrained in me it's like what's the worst that could happen if like you know you, if you try to do something and it doesn't work out, before you try to do it, it wasn't working out anyway. So now it hasn't worked out. All right, but at least you tried. Move on, do something else. Yeah. You know, and like, what's the worst that can happen to you for if you help someone? You, you've helped someone. That's it. You took some time out of your day. You'll you'll be able to do whatever you were going to do otherwise. Just help them. Yeah. Move on, and that's it. Yeah. If something great comes out of it, all the better. I had a guy from a band say to me recently, like, you know, all these bands, like, I won't say which band, but uh, <laughs> all these bands, you know, will cite us as an influence and, and talk about us in every interview and, and do all this stuff, you know, wear our shirts, but they'll never put us on a show. They never, you know, hit us back when we reach out to them, even just to say thank you, whatever. And they, they just kind of like use us, you know, as a, as a credible band or whatever. And he's like, you guys were the only band that ever took us on tour. And that was like the nicest compliment is, you know, to actually know that, you know, that we made a difference in somebody's career or, you know, and it was somebody who I look up to. Sure. So, um, you know, you never know who's going to be in that 
position. Yeah. And I always tell people, like, treat the people on the way up <laughs> nice. You know, I yeah. mean, look at Slipknot. I mean, we though that was a perfect case of like those like Paul, God rest his soul. He's you know, he was in the front row, clown was in the front row singing Empty Promises like in 98, right after the record came out in Des Moines, going crazy and then giving me the tape, check out my band. And I'm like, this is going to be huge. If you <laughs> blow up or when you blow up, will you take us on tour? Next thing you know, I'm touring the world, playing arenas with them. And they were the, they were the second coming of, you know, yeah. Slayer, Pantera, Metallica. I mean, some metal elitists will, you know, bat their eyes at that a little bit or whatever, roll their eyes at that. But... That's really how it was. I mean, yeah. they just created a whole new scene. And now I'm going out again, like, however many years later, 12, 13 years later, again, we're going out in arenas with them. So I think, you know, you have to, you know, think about the long term. And nothing's like, you know, I get bands that'll say, oh, we, we can't get a show or we can't get signed. And it's like, well, then just have fun. Yeah. It's not everything is like, you don't have to become the next Slipknot. It's possible, but also, if it doesn't happen, don't be bummed. Just be in the moment and enjoy jamming and having freaking loud amps in your face. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good positive note. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to wrap this one up, but, uh, well, I guess people will have already heard me on your show. Yes. So tell um, we're going to talk. We're going to wrap up here. We're doing this in like a weird situation because you made me record my show first yes but then you're gonna put out yours because i have mine. so many things i'm like i got i really hope we have enough time because i'm like i really want to pick your brain and i wanted to save a lot of it although we did talk about a bunch of the stuff that now i'm gonna have to you know update my bullet points but that's uh, good that's fine but yeah if anybody wants to check it out soundcloud.com slash jamie joss and yeah you guys should totally get a marvel SoundCloud yeah we, we've account. been having some conversations so it's good to know like i that you it's positive for you and the podcast based stuff so yeah for sure awesome uh and fans can find you on twitter and everywhere else yep at jamie jossa you were one of the first people that i followed um i was like th this is probably going back to 09 or yeah i think nice. i've been on since 09 or 2000 yeah end of 2009 2010 and um, now I'm on Instagram, which I'm warming up to. That's at Jamie Josta. At first, it was a little whiny because <laughs> it was like a younger audience. People were a little whiny on there. But now it's like totally positive. Good. Um, which is cool. People have for certain expectations for what they want to see on the channels. And like they'll react how they react. Yeah. I, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I will get the podcast up on YouTube, um, you know, maybe with a static image and then just the... Uh, just the you know the audio and then on uh, facebook it's just hq and hatebreed.com and uh hatebreed i think it's just facebook hatebreed there you go all right thanks jamie thank uh, you yeah and then uh guys definitely check out his show and uh, we'll be back with more in a couple days this is marvel your universe <laughs>